We welcome you to our podcast as Pastor Nathan, Pastor Blake, and we are here for this week's Pastor Talk. And uh, we want to take on a subject a little bit more serious, but something we hope you can really take away from our time here and use in uh, with your family, with social media, with people at the workplace. And that is how do Christians respond to the current tragedies and events going on in the world? And so we want to look a little bit on um, what's going on with the Roe vs. Wade with abortion. That's huge. That's, uh, I mean, historical. We want to look at the shooting that just went on a couple days ago in Uvalde, Texas. We want to look at um, what do Christians do with this sudden surge of um, pastors, teachers, leaders coming out and finding that there's been a large history of rape and sexual assault from those in the Southern Baptist Church uh, for a long time. This was a Catholic thing and there were one-offs in the Christian Protestant Church and now we're finding there's this whole sort of secret cover-up in the Protestant Church as well. So these are all issues right now. They're hot topics in going into a hot summer and how do you respond? And so that's what we want to spend the next few minutes talking about. Yeah. From a pastor's perspective, we'll give some advice, hopefully, that could help you. And uh, I think probably start off with the hardest one to respond. It's the end of the school year. My kids just wrapped up school yesterday. And uh, it was two days before that, or a, a day, two days ago, that this shooting yeah. happens and they mm -hmm. hear about it. And so there's fear in your kids. There's This was a small town. This isn't a a big place or a big city where we could say it couldn't have happened. It's actually a lot like where we live out here in Uvalde, Texas. And so how do you address your kids' fear that how that this could happen to them? Or what if they say, how do I know this won't happen to me? How do we address that? Yeah, great question. Um, I think first just recognizing that as a parent, you don't always have to have the answer I, I think allowing your kids to see your emotions in this and and let them know that how, how you feel um, but the first thing that that you have to do is you have to you have to go to God mm -hmm. you have to spend some time in, in in prayer and and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you so you can connect to your kids in that moment yeah uh, we we feel uh, as parents especially as men that that we have to have the right answer and we'll lead with that i have to have an answer now mm -hmm. why not sit down with your kids with your spouse and, and and say this happened i don't have an answer here's how i'm feeling i'm sad i'm hurting i'm shedding tears over this uh, we're not immune to this this can happen anywhere and 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 letting those emotions play out and then asking questions to your kids and, and instead of providing an answer without letting them speak uh, allow them to mm -hmm. speak first and okay. just say That's you've true. heard about it H how do you feel what are you thinking and allow your children to to respond and that opens up the floor for for conversation to happen mm -hmm. and then that will open up the floor and and the door for the holy spirit to start to guide you and and speak to you so i think just kind of pausing allowing the holy spirit to get in front of you yeah you're exactly right i think remembering the fact that 
God promises that in times like these, if we allow him and we listen, his spirit will give us the words to say. I also think it's important for our kids to know that the stories they hear on the news and what they see isn't always some faraway place. That any that sin is real, evil is real. It's it's all around us, and uh, some of our kids maybe live in a bubble. Some kids that our, our sons and daughters go to school with, they understand the problem of evil. It's right there in their home. They experience it. So for them, um, they're a little desensitized to it. And so this gives us a conversation and a chance to talk with our kids about what it is to really trust God. Every day I get in my car, I trust God. Every day I, I go into a store or wake up and get out of bed, I trust God with my life. I trust Him with every aspect of my life. And uh, with sin and evil being a real thing, that means that when I see something like this, I realize that a God allowed it to happen. He could have stopped it. He's powerful. He could have. And so, but he allowed the evil that is in the world to play itself out. Innocent people died. Was that outside of his control, right? This is a question that uh, my kids might ask. Is that outside of his control? And that's where you say, one of my favorite things to look in a situation like that and say is, if you were God, what would you have done? Well, I wouldn't have let anything bad happen. To which there's a response that says, well, how do you know what is good and bad? How do you even know what is good and bad? Well, because the Bible tells me so. Well, who wrote the Bible? Well, God did. So God is the sovereign Lord of what is good and what is bad. And if in his wisdom he saw fit to allow this to play out, I either trust him as God and sovereign or I don't. And the thing is, if we can teach our kids as parents right, because it starts with the parents, to trust in God's sovereignty, even when we don't understand, even when it seems absolutely crazy, how could a good God let this happen? Then we don't raise kids who are questioning God every time something bad happens in their life. Where were you, God? I trusted you, God. Why did this happen? Rather, you have kids who know that he is good and sovereign, who know that they are loved by him, and that he has their best in mind, and can walk through trials Strong, coming out of them stronger than when they went in them. And that's the the flashing light bulb for me is, is, is yes, we have to be in this moment sitting down with our kids having this conversation, but this should really open our eyes to the fact and ask yourself, parents, this question, how often am I talking about God with my kids? Exactly. Because if it's the only time when something bad happens and everybody in the world blames God, says, where was God? And it's only when bad things happen uh, where we're teaching our kids that God and bad are synonymous. Mm -hmm. And he's not, he, he, he's a loving God. And that's unfortunate that that happens. And, and for me personally, uh, I spent some time with my kids. We did a family Bible study with uh, Genesis. And so I can talk to them about, remember when we went through Genesis and here's how evil was introduced into, into the world. And, and we can talk through that. We can go through that. And so parents, start talking to your kids about God in everything. In but the in-between moments. In, in the in-between. But, but we don't. When everything's comfortable, when everything's good, when, when uh, life is okay, no one's saying, well, where's God? <laughs> right? That question is asked. It's just when something bad happens. And so we need to be pouring into our kids, um, talking about God, the, the, the love of God. And so when something bad does happen, then, then the conversation 
is natural, it's organic, and it's just a flow of you talking about God with your family mm -hmm. um, every single day. That's right. And so if you're saying, uh, well, my kid's already struggling with fear and anxiety over this, uh, what do I do? And being somebody who personally struggles with anxiety and, uh, and having to work through different things with my children, with their own fears and anxiety, one of the places that we always start is, have you given it to God? Do you trust God with this yet? And if their answer is no, I don't, then that's your, they're, they're giving you a doorway into, well, why not? Where's your heart at? What's going on? When's the last time you spent time talking with him? When's the last time you spent time in his word, in, in the gospels where you learn about the heart of Jesus and how much Jesus really loves us and, and did love them and loves you today? And so if, if your child is struggling with fear and anxiety over this kind of issue of going into a public place, there is no better doorway for you than to encourage them, sit down with them, read with them and pray with them. Teach them how to do it, right? Because I know as an adult, you may be going through some fear and anxiety with what's going on in the world right now. And so you need to model it in front of them. Let them see your, even if you're having an anxiousness about this, let them see how you go before God in this. And I can tell you as somebody who's uh, nearly a decade in with struggling with this, that the times that I put it before the Lord, I have so much peace versus the times I get lost in the fear or allow the thought, don't take those thoughts captive. And I think we have to do the same thing with our kids and teach our children. In times like this, we double down on what it is to be like Christ. We love our neighbors. We love our friends who are scared. We love people as Christ taught us to love. That's how the church is going to be an influence, specifically in situations like this. Absolutely. Totally agree. So another thing that we see uh, going on right now that just broke within the last week or so is uh, numerous pastors in the Southern Baptist Church. It has come out that the church hid allegations of rape and sexual assault and something that has been for a long time a part of the Catholic denomination has come over here to the Protestant denomination of, not that it's the first time clearly it's happened, there's numerous instances but now there's a multiple church, multiple um, denomination cover-up of these types of things and a protection of these men. What do you do when that coworker that you've been wanting to witness to, that neighbor that you've been wanting to witness to who's skeptical already, comes to you and says, this is exactly why I don't go to church or I don't listen to a pastor or a preacher. They're all like this. This is what is going on and I don't want to put myself in that what do you what do you say to that yeah it, it's constant right it's your you have this desire to witness you have this desire to share you have a plan you have a, a, a vision you're asking god for you know doors to open to be able to to talk to somebody about jesus and then boom the the news stories hits and 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 all this stuff opens up and and it's it's challenging it's it's difficult again you don't have to have the right answer but what you can share is personal testimony is is you can you can open up about how god how jesus rescued you that's right you, how you can tell this person it's like like yes it hurts when leaders uh go down and 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 but that's not what they're asking 
That's not what they're coming back with. They're, they're just saying, I reject your faith because of that. But then if you can relate to that and, and say, you know what? Yeah, that was bad, but I'm a sinner, mm -hmm. you know, because because them asking that question, they've opened the door for you to share. And so don't get caught up in the distraction and having to defend that right. and give an answer to that That's exactly. when you they're they're letting you speak to your faith. And so share your testimony to be like, I, I used to cuss all the time through college. I, I drank so, so much. I was so mean uh, to people. I was filled with lust and, and anger. And God rescued me. Amen. And I have to fight and struggle daily to allow people to hold me accountable, to be in fellowship, because I still struggle with a lot of things. Yep. And that's where jesus saved me and so that that's how i would respond to somebody asking me a question that i don't have eyes into mm -hmm. and i would just share my testimony and see what god did with that and you know what i'm no pastor oh wait i am yes yeah but i'm pretty sure that's biblical that that people will be saved they will come to the saving knowledge of christ by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony not the word of our theology, not the strength of our leaders, not the respect of our denominations, but the word of our testimony. And you're exactly right. When someone opens up a door like that, we don't need to jump to a defense. We don't need to defend God in the midst of them saying, right. God's picked his leaders wrong. Share your testimony. Why do you follow Jesus? What has he pulled you through and carried you through? And there is nothing greater you can say. There is no greater defense of the faith than you can give than how God saved you from a life of bondage and sin exactly and, and yeah I, I nothing more to add that's exactly the best response you can do to that one yeah yeah so, totally agree what else we got uh let's see we have uh, a lot going on in the world man yeah uh, <laughs> so much roe versus wade yeah set to be uh probably overturned by the supreme court here in june i think june july uh the the verdict released somehow by an anonymous leaker causing a lot of uproar amongst the world and the people on both sides of a political aisle and on both sides of the debate versus pro-choice and pro-life. Um, I don't know about you, but I see through various social media accounts, friends that I have that are Christian on both sides of the debate and just a slew of posts and articles and quotes to support their position. Um, but not a ton of love and answers that I see that actually say, oh, that's refreshing. That was really good. Uh, so what, what do we as pastors, how, how do we take a stance on this? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pro-life. That's my personal stance. I believe that biblically um, we, we support life. We protect life. Life starts at conception. But I'm also pro-loving, supporting, and, and being a resource to the mom whether she has the baby and gives it away or has the baby and decides to keep it, that that mom is a life as well and that her life it matters and that no matter how that child came about in her life, she matters immensely to God. And the church has done a poor job addressing that, connecting with that woman, despite calling it a sin or any kind of garbage like that. Love her first. That's what we see Jesus did. Jesus loved the person before he ever called out the sin. And... I think most importantly, that's where Christians personally 
need to go right now is no matter where your faith is, no matter where you stand on this subject, I believe that life starts at conception. That's my personal belief. But I also believe that we as a church have a responsibility to do a better job to love women who have been put in this very difficult situation to have to make. And imagine if an unbelieving world could see God's children choosing that response rather than a response that says, you're a murderer, you brought this on yourself because of your lifestyle, you did this, you did that. Um, imagine them just saying, how can we love you? This is where we stand, this is our belief, but more than you believing what I believe, how can we help you as a single mom or as a, as a soon-to-be single mom with a, a child? How can we help you? You nailed it. Uh, again, we're focusing, uh, or we as Christians focus on the wrong thing. And, and yes, ab abortion is bad. I'm, I'm pro-life. We can celebrate legislation. We can, we can move uh, towards that. But it, that's the end result. That, that's the bad thing that, that we hate. In Jesus' time, in the Roman times, uh, abortion was exist. Okay. It, it existed. Late-term abortions, after-birth abortions occurred. Jesus never focused on the legislation. He focused on loving people. And if we as Christians can, can love people, can make an effort to come alongside people, uh, the book of James talks about stop telling me about your worthless religion and go and care for orphans and widows that's right put put your money where, where your where your mouth is and, and if we could do that as christians if we could actually come alongside women and say you know what we can care for you we can come to a, a good decision and however we can best care for this baby if it's you as the mother or if it's another family, and we have Christians lining up to take mm -hmm. orphans, the 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 list in, in, in foster care and adoptions is it, it, it it's, it's tens numerous. Of it's tens of thousands, right? So so where are we? So I understand uh, the argument, but you, you nailed it. Where are we as far as loving people? And if we did all of these proactive things, then organically yep. and naturally we would see ab abortions numbers mm -hmm. drop right we would see it drop right right because there's a real place i can go and know that uh know that i'll be loved i will genuinely be loved no matter my decision have we as a church done a good job with those women who have chosen in the past to have an abortion of letting them know you are loved you are free in god just as anybody's sin and that you can be redeemed and, and be set free from any guilt, any sh anything you feel from that decision that was made, that God can set you free as much as he can set anybody else free. Like, have we done a good job letting women know you? this is a space for you to be free without being judged? Just like we let the glutton, you know, lose weight and come and say, thank you, God, I've gotten healthy. And there's, we, we applaud them or we allow the, the man struggling with the lust or the person struggling with an alcohol or drug addiction and we applaud them when they get through it why, why can't we do the same thing show that same level of love and support not just here at life point but but as a body of christ specifically towards women this issue so when it comes to your posts online when it comes to firing back and answering somebody who is baiting you 
online. I think a simple suggestion we have as pastors is don't walk into that. Is this something that I could picture Jesus saying? And if your answer is yes, you better be able to go to the scripture with some backup, right? And if you, if you want to use a harsh word at somebody and refute somebody harshly who has a position of pro-choice and you don't like it, and you say, well, I'm doing it as Jesus would do it. Look, he rebukes this group of people here. Go back and look at your New Testament. He only rebukes religious people. That's right. He rebukes religious spirits. And, uh, but those who are not of God, he loves. He offers forgiveness. He asks them to turn and repent and go and sin no more. But he leads with love. And I think that is the, probably the message of what we're talking about here today is above your political position, above your view or stance on any of these hot button topics, whether it's what we've talked about today, whether it's uh, gun control, um, sexual impropriety in leadership in church, or it's pro-choice versus pro-life. Christian friends, we are not on either side of any of those three aisles. We are on the side of loving those people, restoring those people at our own expense of money and time making sure that they know God loves them by us actually loving them with our actions. Amen. It's a sacrificial love. Yep. Yep. Stop saying, I'll pray for you and get off the couch and go do something. I think that's where we'll see if the church does that here in America, this revival, this explosion of God's spirit will spread like wildfire. It will. Amen. Well, we hope you enjoyed this here today. I hope this helped. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, what it means to be a Christian isn't an easy walk, but it's one worth taking. Absolutely. Until next time. <laughs>